to get me some of those striped socks. <laughs> Proverbs 23. You know me, I like to stick, just stick one up there for you. Um, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Lord, as we spend some time now just reading your word and examining what's, uh, what's there, we ask you to speak to us like supernaturally like you always do. Your word says that your word never returns void. We just make ourselves available to the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever done a remodel in your house? You know, there's like, um, <laughs> you, you, you think about what you want to do, and you come up with this plan, and it's so simple, and it's so clean, and you draw yourself these boundaries. You figure, okay, I'm going to do this remodel, and here's what I'm going to do, and that's where it's going to stop. That's the plan. It's a simple deal, right? On paper, it's a very simple, limited, achievable, schedulable, budgetable plan. You think you know what you're getting into. Then you start tearing into it. The first time I ever did a remodel, um, I had no idea that, 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 that the limits of the remodel were imaginary. I had no idea that it was going to go way, way past. Because you find out things along the way, and you think, well, I, well I've got this open. I should do this. Do this. And pretty soon, the remodel, it's, it's, it's something small, but it turns out to be something way bigger than we think. The first time I ever decided to do remodel, I learned some difficult and hard lessons. Um, I thought, you know, well, this will be fun because... We're on the topic of renewal, right? We've been talking renewal the last couple of weeks. So the first thing you do is you tear off the old. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this will be fun. I'm going to start with a sledgehammer. And I just started ripping and tearing. And I created this caustic, toxic mess that was more work to clean up than before I started. I mean, I went backwards. And, you know, you can do things when you're remodeling that make the remodel a whole lot more difficult than it should have been, you know. I'm seeing heads nodding, so I know you've been there before. And it's like that. We go to the Lord and we say, hey, Lord, I got this little thing that I'm going to submit to you that I would really like you to help me straighten out my life. We, we go to the Lord with this little thing, and the Lord goes, uh-huh. <laughs> you think you know where the limit of that is. We're going to go a little bit deeper and a little bit further, and off we go. And then we look back. We get a few years down the road, and we look back, and we go, wow. I had no idea what the Lord was up to. That was way bigger than I thought. We come to the Lord because of some need, and the Lord has been waiting for that moment because our heart was ready and right, and all of a sudden he does these, he sets into motion these profound changes that bless us, and they make a difference for us for the rest of our lives, these big major changes. Well, I'm going to take a minute or two and get us back up to speed in the previous weeks. Um, we've been talking about character, and I'm going to give you a few of the main lines. I'm not going to elaborate on this too much. We define here, character is the will to do the right thing as God defines right, regardless of the cost. That's what character is. The problem is that none of us have that kind of willpower. Nobody has that kind of willpower. Jesus tells us that you're never going to have that ability on your own. But he's got the ability and he wants to get involved and he, will, he wants to let that happen with power through us. God is not looking for you to become a better Terry or Brett or fill in the blank. He's looking for you to become instead a better representative of his son, Jesus Christ which I can't get there from here. But fortunately, God's not looking for us to manufacture that on our own. It's something that he's going to be producing through us. So here's something that I'm just going to give you. I haven't, haven't given you this, this thought before, this clearly, but I'm going to give this to you. I'm not going to expand too much on it. Biblical directives without biblical thinking 
always produce short-term obedience and long-term frustration. If you don't have the biblical thinking, if your ticker isn't in cadence with your heart and your spirit, you'll do it. And you'll have obedience for a short time, but in the long term, you're going to be frustrated. Romans 12, 2 tells us this, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's where we've been camped out. The thing about this all is that becoming a Christian doesn't guarantee anything about change. You can become a Christian, it's not going to change anything. It's renewal that results in change. It results in a transformed life. And renewal is two steps. The remodeling process is two steps. You take off what's old and you put on what's new. We've talked about fingernail polish and things like that, right? We spent some time on that before. So today I want to spend my time mostly on taking off the old. And uh, we're going to talk about the kinds of things we believe. We're maybe even going to talk about a few of the lies we've told ourselves. Everybody pull your toes in underneath your chair so I don't step on your toes. But let's uh, let's hop into the word. Colossians 3, um, starting in verse 8, a couple there right then. Um, I'll put this up for you as well. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So you get saved, and you're a new person. Your heart is being changed. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Your eternity is sorted, is, has been sorted out. The problem is that our mind hasn't caught up with all the rest of that. You get that? That's why the Lord tells us that we have to have our mind renewed. We're already saved at that point, but our mind hasn't caught up. Ever thought of it that way? You're saved, and even your un, unrenewed mind is saved, but it is not caught up with the rest of what's going on. Have you ever painted yourself into a relational corner by doing this? You had some set of facts that you knew to be true, and you took a strong position. You took a strong stance with somebody because you were certain about what you knew to be true. And then later, somewhere downstream, you found out that, ooh, that stuff really wasn't true. And now, your relationship with that person has been fractured or really damaged or affected, and it's because you acted on something that really wasn't true, and that's really hurt the person. I mean, I've done that. <laughs> I can have an, you know, I can be a little bit impetuous at times. Sometimes I act out ahead of wisdom, Sometimes I get a little ahead of the facts. I've leapt before I've looked, and all of a sudden there's no, nothing to stand on except this broken person's heart. And I've got to figure out now a way, a way to unravel that. That's, I, I become overwhelmed by that, not just because of the fact that I was wrong, but the damage that I've created is bigger than the fact that I was wrong in the first place. What you believe, whether things are true or not, but what you believe shapes your attitudes and your behaviors about everything. What you believe to be true about me shapes the way you, you think about me. What you believe about your spouse shapes the way you behave towards your spouse. What you believe to be true about God. What you believe to be true about money, sex, relationships, marriage, fill in the blank. What you believe to be true shapes your attitudes about all of those things. So what truth is as you ascertain it is everything about the way you're going to behave. It's a pretty big deal. And when we believe things that aren't true, it puts us down this pathway of, of, of price. You know, we, we go someplace and we end up having to backtrack 
And we've got to rebuild before we can get back to beginning. It's like doing remodeling the wrong way, only worse. You know, um, I'll give you a couple of practical examples. In the 1400s, sailors were all fully aware of the fact that the earth was flat. And what was their biggest fear was that if they sailed too far from the shore, they'd fall off and be gone forever because they fell off the earth. We laugh. But that was a known fact. Nobody disputed it. Or those that did were basically persecuted. So what did the sailors do? They sailed real close to the shore. They wouldn't venture out too far for fear of dropping off the face of the earth. Their fears, based upon an unfounded truth, kept them from all kinds of good things that they could have enjoyed, discovered, and, and been blessed by, and instead kept them in this place that, that someone in a ship was never meant to be, right at the shore all the time. Just one example about what they lost. What is the fear that you struggle with? You, all sitting there by yourself in this church seat. What is the fact that you, the fear that you struggle with that's, that's based upon some fact that somewhere in your life you've absorbed? Our society really specializes in applying misinformation. It specializes in it. And some of the people that specialize in it, you know, I don't want to say that they're all negative, evil people, but some of the people who supply misinformation have huge megaphones, huge megaphones. It's interesting to watch things. And they especially supply misinformation about things like God, about relationships, sex, money, on the list goes. The problem is that as we go through life, we build up this grid through which we make all of our decisions and set ourselves on our course based upon this set of beliefs, this grid that we each build. And every person has their own grid. We all build that up over time. Much of those things in the, in the grid turn out not to be true. That's the problem. We presently hold conclu- conclusions that are based on information that's not true. And, and when you become a Christian... Just becoming a Christian doesn't mean that all those misunderstandings or ill-founded truths just go away. Our spirit gets saved. We talked about that before. But our mind is not automatically renewed. Boy, it feels warm in here to me. Is it just me? A lot of hot air coming from the front of the room. (laughs) You don't have to agree so quickly. Maybe if we could, can we open an outside door over there and maybe over here and get some air in? because I'm going to get hotter as we go. I can just tell. (laughs) So we get saved, but our mind is not automatically renewed. So the problem is we can't tell all the time from where we sit what we believe that's true really isn't. Sometimes we've got to have an outside viewpoint to help us sort that out. Sometimes we can't. But the problem is that we carry these misconceptions, and I hate to say it, but some of the misconceptions come from the church. I don't mean Crossroads Church, but it could. But I mean from the church in, ge- in general, some of those misconceptions. Back at the time that this scripture that we read was written, um, the church at Colossae, you know, Paul had never been there. It was, it was an extension of a church. He went to an area nearby, and they birthed this other church. He had never been there. But this particular letter he was writing because that church in Colossae was following some false teachings Somehow, truths had crept into the teachings in this church that weren't really true. 
They were beliefs that somehow Jesus wasn't fully a man and he wasn't fully God. He was kind of a hybrid and um, couldn't really be explained. But the point was that he lacked, because he wasn't fully God, he lacked the authority to really heal. He lacked the authority to really declare God's word. So they had this, they were kind of going off the course and Paul gets in there and he's telling these people, hold on a second. You've got to stop thinking the way you're thinking. He's, he's, he's addressing the exact circumstances that are present today. Now, I'm not saying that this church is in heresy. We're not. We're not. But this kind of a problem exists. This was what was going on back then. And it's going on again today. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's go back to that scripture and read it again. And let's, now, I'm, I'm going to put the scripture up again, but I don't have verse 7. If you've got your Bible open, let's back up one verse and include that one. Colossians 3, verse, I'm going to start in 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This is talking about our mind being renewed and it's interesting to say it's being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. It's not knowledge in Starbucks, Star, Star Trek trivia. It's not knowledge in mathematics or how to drive a big truck. It's, it's not ger- generic knowledge. It's knowledge in the image of the Creator. And God sees this vicious cycle that kind of we circulate in, and He says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to fix this by handing you a list of do's and don'ts. People think that. That's what the world teaches who God is. They say, well, God gives us lists. Of, that's what, but that's not what God said. He says, no, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to renew people's minds. So all of those patterns we hold to, our cliches that we've been taught, he wants to strip all that away and start with something fresh. And then he knows that as he does that, whatever the resistance is that's in here towards God, that'll diminish as well. It'll eventually perish and we get transformed, taking off the old and putting on the new. I'm gonna, uh, I've, I've got a brief list, and this is by no means comp- comprehensive, and this is just what, you know, what I'm going to give you now. This is not an accusation. It's just a few thoughts, experiences. Most of this comes from you know, my mistakes or things I've watched and observed. Here's a list of some of the beliefs people commonly operate on, misbeliefs. One, it's your responsibility to fix your spouse. <laughs> you know... Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't listen to talk radio a lot um, just because I'm busy and I like country music. But, um, but I go through my times and I'm tired of country music and I'm listening to something else and every once in a while I go back. But I, I used to listen to Dr. Laura. Remember Dr. Laura? She's still on the air somewhere, I'm, I'm sure. I just don't happen to know where. But she would get these phone calls from people and they would be talking about all of the things wrong with their spouse. And Laura, Dr. Laura would always say, well, you knew that when you chose him. <laughs> and I always used to chuckle and go, yeah, that's true. It, it's, it's so true. It's, it's something, that, it's a belief people operate on. They think they're supposed to fix their spouse. Here's another one that people operate on. I'm supposed to fix your spouse. <laughs> I can't fix your spouse any more than you can. I mean, I can help people understand the word of God and maybe I can help motivate in some ways. But the fixing of a spouse, that's sovereign. You know, um, Lisa and I have, uh, we have some friends going back a long ways, obviously, and um, 
I can think of one uh, couple who aren't married anymore. It's heartbreaking because we go back to when they were kids. We go back that far with them. And uh, we used to get calls regularly from Mrs. Come and fix my husband. Literally, she would say that. And today, the marriage is, is gone, and our relationship with the Mrs. is broken because we didn't go fix her husband for her. That's really an expectation. Anyway, okay, that's another one. How, here's, another, here's another one. Marriage is a solution. You know, marriage is a wonderful thing. God intended marriage for something really specific. It's a wonderful thing, and, and um, I, I'm not making a, a statement against marriage, but it's not a solution to anything. That's not why God created the institution. It has a whole completely different purpose. It doesn't solve anything. And if it doesn't solve anything, here's another one. Divorce is not a solution to anything. I'm going to move on. Here's one. The, I'm going to call this the when I myth. When I have finished my X, Y, and Z, when I have accumulated all of this, when I see this happening elsewhere, the when I myth is another thing that people operate on, and it's not going to take you away. If you looked on the outside sometimes a relationship, here's another one that people do. If you looked on the outside, you might think sometimes rejection is a solution because sometimes what you see people do is they have a problem, and so I can't fix the problem, so I'm just going to reject you. <laughs> here's another misconception. Silence. We have a problem. If I just don't talk to you about it and I say nothing, it'll just go away. How's that working out for you? And then there's this list of lies we tell ourselves. I'm never going to amount to anything. I can't change. I can't control what I think. I can't help myself. I need to drink water. You and I can read our Bible. We can go to church. We can sing the songs. We can give our tithes. We can help a broken person across the street. We can do all of those things. But until we dig all this garbage out that could be present in our thinking until we dig that all out, we're going to continue to be prisoners of areas of our li- in areas of our life that we really don't understand the truth. That's why our loving God says, I'm not going to let you labor under all that. I'm going to get in there and help you. I love you so much. I'm going to bring in something fresh. I'm going to bring in something that takes weight off of you. I'm going to bring in something that restores your way of thinking and gives you hope. We take off the old. So here we're going to talk about taking off the old. You know, I'm going to give you some examples. You know, there's lots of examples, but here's a couple that we wage against that society tells us. Ladies, if you want to be blessed your whole life, you need to be beautiful every single day of your life. Oh, and by the way, we're going to tell you what beautiful is, 90 pounds. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the world tells every woman every day of their life. It does. Just look around. When you leave here, there's going to be a billboard somewhere or something that tells women that's, that's the truth. Guys, you're being told by the world around you that accomplishment equals fulfillment and success. We spent a lot of time on that. Until we can identify all those things that, that are being those, those little lies that sometimes we absorb over time, until we can identify them, we're, we're just in trouble. So I'm going to give you three things you can do to help identify the lies that you believe. Wow, that's don't mean to be arrogant but I'm going to try and help out a little bit with some of the lies. that. So everybody cover your toes. Okay, first item one. Listen to the excuses you tell yourself to excuse your wrong behavior. 
listen to the excuses you're telling yourself. Um, I'm, I've got a list of some. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what the excuse is. And then I'm going to tell you what the lie is behind it from my viewpoint. So I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I'm not the only one. Lots of people doing it. I'm not the only one. As if somehow you're going to show up before the throne and this big union of people <laughs> are going to all stand there and God's going to go, wow, I guess you got the bulge on me here. I can't do much about this. <laughs> so here's the lie. Here's the lie. God, if, if you do things in groups, God doesn't take it as seriously. <laughs> it's easy to laugh when you're sitting in church. But people operate on that lie. I've operated on that lie. I mean, I learned it in school. A substitute teacher comes in. Everybody gives a substitute teacher a hard time because they can't kill us all, right? <laughs> okay, here's another one. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I don't see any harm in it. I don't see any harm in it. Here's the, the a lie that's behind it. If you don't see any harm, there must not be any. Ooh. <laughs> Here's another one. I, knew, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I'll just try it once. <laughs> Are you laughing at me, Lisa? Okay. <laughs> She's going, well, yeah, I remember that. I'll just try it once. Well, the problem with the lie behind that is that there is some group of sins that, for which there's no consequence. Here's another one. I'm going to go ahead with this, even though it's wrong, because who's going to know? The lie is that if nobody knows, there's no consequence. It must not be wrong if nobody knows about it. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because, but I love her. I love him. I hear that more than I should. Of course, one time would be more than I should, but it's more frequent than you'd guess. People that justify things because of love. And there's a lie underneath that that basically says that, that, that God, in God's mind, love takes precedence over obedience. It's a lie. It's not true. I know, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because <laughs> I just don't listen to the words. <laughs> now, you can fill in the blanks there. It isn't just song lyrics, and I'm not going to wage against music. I love music. I love pretty much all music. <laughs> Most all music. There's some that I just don't get. Um, it's just not my style, but it's art. And every kind of music can be expressed in destructive ways. Every version of music can be, destruct, can be destructive. And music isn't the issue here. It can be movies, games, whatever. I just don't listen to the words, or I just don't partake in the content. The li there's a lie behind that, too. And that lie says that you can be exposed to something over and over and over and over and over and over again and it won't have any effect on you. Here's another one. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead because she deserves it. <laughs> and it could be true. I am so grateful. 
I'm so grateful that that's not how the Lord treats me because I deserve it. The lie there is that if we need to treat people the way they deserve to be treated. We really believe that we need to treat people the way they need to be deserved, uh, the way they deserve to be treated. Here's another one. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I'll just call it something else. I'll tell you a little story. Um, because I was needing to be cool, I smoked cigarettes the last part of my high school. <laughs> and um, I knew it wasn't good for me, right? But my friends did. And I didn't smoke a long time, but I smoked cigarettes. And, and the thing about smoking cigarettes is it, it's addictive. You start to like it. It becomes habitual. And I'm not here to tell you that anybody who smokes cigarettes is less holy or further from God than somebody who doesn't, because I don't believe that. But I knew I needed to quit. And I tried, and it was hard, and I convinced myself I had a solution. I did, and I did. I quit smoking cigarettes. Instead, I bought those little tiny thin cigars. <laughs> <laughs> And the lie is that you can change the truth with the power of your vocabulary. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is probably one of the most common ones. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I just can't help it. I just can't help myself. I don't have control. The lie here is that you don't, don't have control. Because you do. We always do. When you hear yourself mentally justifying some behavior with an excuse like this, it's time for you to confront, to try to dig down there and find out what the lie is that you tell yourself. Because many times these lies, they're just, they're like unfounded fears. It's like the world is flat. And it's really not flat. And if you can figure out that it's not really flat, you got a whole new fresh opportunity in front of you. You expose those lies. When you expose them, they kind of lose their power. They lose their juice. Temptations, fears, wrong beliefs, they just lose their grip when you expose them. John 8, verses 31 and 32, this is from the NIV, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You realize it's not the truth, it's the truth that sets you free. It's not trying harder. You're not going to be free because you try harder to be free. It's the truth. That's why you've got to confront these lies. And I'm not calling you all a pack of liars. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm saying you've been lied to. And sometimes you've adopted the lie because you were attracted to it. But many times it just slipped in there over time. Many times it just, it just pounds on you all the time. You watch TV, you know. It just pounds on you. If you want to be successful in life, you got to sit on a beach and drink a Corona with an umbrella coming out of the lime. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there's just, there's just, you're just pounded with it all the time. But it's not working harder and trying harder that's going to set anybody free. Well, you can all relax. We're almost done. <laughs> okay, I was going to give you three steps. Here's step number two. Steps to help. Number two, examine the areas of your life where you tend to overreact. This is where the Lord really massaged my heart over the last week. Where do I overreact? Because I overreact. I do. You, you might not guess this about me, but I can become intense. And um, that's an overreaction. And I can become too strong in a circumstance. 
Where are you overly sensitive? There's usually, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. There's usually a couple of places that comes from. One is there's sometimes is a lie that supports that overreaction. We've talked about some of those. Sometimes overreactions come from fear or from pain, especially the emotional overreactions. They can be supported by a lie. What is the fear? You know, what, what supports sometimes fear is a belief in a lie that somehow God has lost control of your circumstances. Somehow God has truly lost control of your circumstances. The opposite is this. You know, you run into people in life who have circumstances that absolutely declare they should be in this melted puddle on the floor out of control because circumstances are so bad. But you, instead, you look at them and you see peace. You, you, it starts in their eyes and you can see it goes right down through their soul. What's the difference? They aren't listening to the lie. And, and you know, when we have emotional self, when we have this sensitivity, our self-talk sounds something like this. Here's an example of it. I need to be this way until somebody apologizes to me. <laughs> or this situation, I can never get this resolved until, fill in the blank, takes responsibility for what they've done to me. That's a lie. That really is a lie. You don't need anybody else to do anything before you can reach peace in your soul. I've seen people go years Years as victims, waiting for somebody else to unlock the door. Now, people do, we are victims of circumstances and hurt. I'm not wanting to minimize your pain, nor am I wanting to encourage you to stay there because it's a lie that tells you you can't have wholeness until somebody else does anything. Your peace is not going to come from their actions. Your broken peace came from there, but your peace needs to come from someplace else. So, unlock those prison doors. Um, number three, examine the temptations to which you are most vulnerable. The areas that you keep getting dragged down time after time after time. You know, God wants to set you free, not by ratcheting up your willpower, but by exposing the lie that supports that wrong belief. You know, I, I was trying to give you a simple little phrase that you could remember, and I think I worked too hard on this. <laughs> because it's turned into a tongue twister, but there's a truth in this. Light renews what lies refuse. And you've got to think about that. Light renews what lies refuse. I've got a simple prayer for you. I've been giving you one each week. So here's a simple prayer, and um, then we're going to um, pray together. Simple prayer is this, Lord, have I believed something that is just not true? Something that fuels excuses, overreaction, or temptation? Please renew me, Lord. Simple prayer. Ask God to expose the lies, to expose those things for you, not, not so that you can tell somebody else their lies. Ask God to expose the lies that maybe have somehow settled within your soul. I want to pray over you. For this prayer, um, close to the conclusion anyway, and I, I don't want to do church calisthenics, but would you mind standing to your feet as we just posture ourselves and available to what the Lord might want to do? And just let me pray over you about these issues. Would everybody smile at me for a minute? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to smile too. Okay. Let's pray.
Lord, first and foremost, I want to thank you for grace and for mercy. You have walked with us and you, you've known us, our coming and our going. Your word says you knew every one of our days before there was a single one of them in Psalm 139. I love that truth, God. So there's no experience, no hurt that you don't know about, no heartbreak, no assault upon our soul that you're not aware of. There's no lie that's been, been told to us that is a secret to you. You know them all. I want to thank you, Lord, that you have not lost control. I want to pray, Lord, for now revelation to happen within our hearts. I ask God for you to, to speak to our souls and in your own way, in your own perfect timing, begin to speak to us the truth. Help us to see the things that we've begun to believe that are just not the truth. Things that have fueled our excuses, things that have fueled overreactions, things that have fueled our temptations. Renew us, Lord, we pray. Renew us in the name of Jesus.